0: That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback.
1: Evening Time Sport, July 13. Celtic launch new 2021-22 Adidas kits ahead of new season. Report by Mark Hendry. Celtic have launched their new home kit for season 2021-22. The Hoops released their Adidas strip with a flashy video narrated by midfielder Callum McGregor. Images were leaked on social media last week, but the club were pleased to officially show off their new kits this morning, describing them as a fresh look for a fresh start. The Hoops made the kits available for pre order on CelticFC.net/slash store in official Celtic stores, JD Sport, in-store, or online, but they will not officially be made purchasable until August 5. Fans can get their hands on the new jerseys for £65, with adult shorts at £35 and socks for £15. A short statement read, it is a fresh look for a fresh start as the Celts look towards an exciting season ahead wearing the green and white of Glasgow. With unbroken hoops and an unbroken history, our city, our colours is woven into the back neck of the jersey which features the iconic three stripes on the shoulders, with the Celtic crest displayed proudly on the chest. Matching white shorts and socks with the green three stripes complete this classic look for the season ahead. Made to keep you comfortable, the latest kit combines soft fabric and moisture wicking Aero ready. This Adidas technology guarantees to keep you cool under pressure. The future is our focus, no matter where the game may take us. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 13. Celtic dealt blow as target Matt Ryan completes Real Sociedad switch. Report by Mark Hendry. Matt Ryan has ended all speculation linking him to Celtic after completing a switch to Real Sociedad. The 29-year-old goalkeeper had been rumoured to be on the Hoops transfer radar this summer as manager Postecoglou builds his squad for an assault on the Premiership. The former Brighton man, who spent last season on loan at Arsenal, had even hinted he would be willing to make the move to Glasgow. Just last week, he was asked whether he'd prefer paella or haggis on Fox Sports in Australia, to which he replied, haggis every day of the week. At the minute, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure what I fancy, what my taste buds are craving just now. I'll have to wait and see. At the minute, just nothing. I'm just waiting and seeing, until I guess I get a bit of a craving to find out. But confirming his move last night, La Liga outfit Real Sociedad shared a short clip of their new man. The stopper said, I will work hard and I can't wait to get started playing with the team. Meanwhile, at Celtic, Bacillus Barkas reportedly will not be heading out on loan as Champions League qualifiers against FC Midtjylland approach. He had been linked with a return to AEK Athens. Report by Mark Henry, Evening Time Sport, July 13. Matt Lindsay says, Gareth Southgate is England's best manager since Sir Alf Ramsey, but he is to blame for their Euro 2020 failure. Gareth Southgate's failure to convert a penalty against Germany at Wembley famously cost England a place in the final of the European Championships 25 years ago. His inability to select the correct spot kick takers for the shootout with Italy at the same venue denied his country victory in the same tournament on Sunday night. Southgate has unquestionably done a superb job since to the disbelief of some supporters and disapproval of many media pundits. He took charge of his national team Following the sudden resignation of Sam Allardyce in 2016, he is, having now led his men to the Russia 28 semi final and the Euro 2020 final, the most successful English manager after Sir Alf Ramsey. The former Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, and Middlesbrough man has certainly had a wealth of exceptional talent a golden generation of players at his disposal during the past five years. Pedro Caxina would be made to look like Rinas Michels if he had Trent Alexander Arnold, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jordan Henderson, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling, John Stones and Kyle Walker in his squad. But every one of Southgate's predecessors, Graham Taylor, Terry Venables, Glenn Hoddle, Sven Goran Eriksson, Steve McLaren, Fabio Capello and Roy Hodgson could select genuine world-class stars as well and none of them fared as well. An individual who was widely considered to be too nice for the high profile role when he was promoted from the England under 21 post, has an inner steel that enables him to withstand the intense scrutiny he is under. What is more, he conducts himself with dignity and decorum. He is a difficult bloke to dislike. He has excellent man management skills and good tactical awareness too. His decision to switch from a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-4-2-1 formation, drop the on-form Saka, deploy Kyle Walker as a right-sided centre-back and use Luke Shaw and Kieran Trippier as wing-backs in the final, stunned an expectant nation. Yet Shaw got on the end of a tripea cross in just the second minute and scored. In the first half, England were a better team. They contained rivals who were on a 33-game unbeaten run magnificently, albeit without troubling the opposition defence significantly after taking their early lead. But the margins between success and failure are infinitesimal. Southgate must shoulder full responsibility for the harrowing defeat England suffered. His decisions from half-time onwards meant the 1966 World Cup winners failed to end 55 years of hurt. Italy bossed the second half. They dominated possession applied relentless pressure and deserved to draw level in the 67th minute. When Saka replaced Trippier with 20 minutes remaining, England rallied. When Jack Grealish came on for Mason Mount in extra time, they regained control of proceedings, but they were unable to seriously test the Italian goalkeeper. Why did Southgate wait so long to make changes? It was obvious to everyone inside the stadium and to the millions watching at home that they were required. Why too did he wait until the last minute of extra time to put on Rashford and Jadon Sancho? They may well have been the most clinical penalty kick takers in training, but they had been sat on their backsides on the bench for over two hours. They both failed to convert from 12 yards. And why, oh why, oh why, was Saka given the fifth spot kick? The data may have suggested he was best placed to net. Apparently he had been rattling them in for fun for weeks. But it is one thing doing it at St George's Park in front of a handful of folk. It is quite another doing it at Wembley with a crowd of 67,173 looking on and the Euro 2020 on the line. The boy is, for all his ability, just 19. He had never taken, never mind scored a penalty in senior football. It was an absurd and costly decision. Typically, Southgate held his hands up and took the blame but the bizarre move rightly drew condemnation from throughout the game. Is it any wonder that Kane and Harry Maguire, two senior players who had been on the pitch since kickoff, were the only England players to beat the goalkeeper? Sterling, Grealish or even Shaw would have been far better options. It is to be hoped that Arsenal youngster Saka who was exceptional during the tournament, recovers from the traumatic experience, isn't scarred by the sickening racist abuse he was subjected to on social media afterwards, along with Rashford and Sancho, and goes on to fulfil his vast potential in future. He was the first player that Southgate went over to console after Italy had triumphed. The England manager understands exactly what the kid is going through, having suffered the same fate at Euro 96. He is then well placed to help the winger bounce back, but he should never have been put in that position in the first place. The 50 year old himself will learn from Euro 2020. It would be foolish to rule out his chances of taking his men through to the latter stages of Qatar 2022 next year and possibly even returning home victorious. But if he makes more errors at crucial moments in the Middle East, there will be the same outcome. At the end of what was an enjoyable and entertaining tournament, justice was probably done. England only won their semi-final against a Denmark team who were far from their best after an energy-sapping trip to London from Baku in Azerbaijan at Wembley last week thanks to a soft penalty award. It was a hollow victory. Italy were the best team at the finals. To acquit themselves as well as they did in such a hostile environment on Sunday was remarkable and said much about their mental strength. They were immense in defence, midfield and attack. Nobody can begrudge Giorgio Chielele and his teammates their triumph. But it was still a huge opportunity missed by England. They played all but one of their seven games on home soil with large and vocal crowds cheering them on. They will not get a better chance to end their run of disappointment and failure again, says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, July 13. Rangers prospect Ben Williamson, Penn's New Deal. Report by Mark Henry. Rangers youngster Ben Williamson has put pen to paper on a new two-year deal at Ibrox. The midfielder has also been sent out on loan to Livingston for the upcoming season, as he and manager Steven Gerrard hope he can play minutes in the Premiership. The 19-year-old Williamson was a standout on loan at Arbroath in the Championship last season, but wanted to try his luck in the top tier of the Scottish game. Lions boss David Martindale moves swiftly to organize the loan move, which will see him turn out at the Tony Macaroni Arena for the upcoming season. The player made an appearance for the Rangers first team earlier this pre-season against Tranmere and is considered a promising prospect for the future. Martindale told the Livingston website I am delighted that both Ben himself and Rangers FC have chosen Livingston as the club best placed to help Ben in his progression. I watched Ben in action a number of times last season whilst watching Jack Hamilton and Carlo Pinacello at Abroath and was always impressed. I really believe he has a great future in the game and I am happy to get him on board here. Ben hasn't long made his Scotland Under-21 debut, which tells you the quality the lad possesses. I must say a big thank you to Rangers Football Club, Ben and his agent Pete Cormack for working with us to make the deal happen. Report by Mark Hendry, Evening Times Sport July 14, Celtic lose a promising startlet to EPL. Report by Mark Hendry. Vincent Angelini has left Celtic to join Watford. The promising young goalkeeper has been linked with a number of Premier League clubs down south, with Manchester United even touted as an interested party. Grandson of Hoop's great David Hay, the 17-year-old signed his first pro contract at Celtic Park two years ago, but now he has moved down south with the Hornets' academy side. Angelini's deal expired at the end of last season, and Celtic are believed to have wanted to keep him at the club, but they were fighting a losing battle when EPL new boys Watford became interested. The player won goalkeeper of the tournament back in 2017 as a kid at the prestigious Mark Overmars tournament in Holland. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 14. Martin Hannan says, strong South Africa A-side could pose Lions problems in warm-up clash. It was Winston Churchill who once said, if you're going through hell, keep going. The ultimate British lion had his faults and there were many. But I'm pretty sure that if he hadn't played a great game and led these nations against the Nazis in 1940, then we would all have been speaking German in the Germanic states of Europe now. Oh, for a Churchill if only to find the words to inspire the British and Irish Lions as they prepare for the first test in Cape Town Stadium, a week on Saturday, July 24 at 5pm British Summer Time. The impact of COVID-19 on this tour will never be forgotten. I was reminiscing with a pal who has been on two tours before And he feels the greatest regret of the Lions themselves will have been the curtailed opportunities to visit parts of South Africa. Touring is not just about training and playing. It is an immersive experience that changes people nearly always for the better. And the people of South Africa had huge welcomes ready for the Lions all over the country but all of that has gone by the by. The Lions have moved to Cape Town and tonight they will play South Africa A in what is by far the biggest task of the tour so far. Some have called it the unofficial fourth test and I am not disagreeing with that. Beating the Cell Sea Sharks over two matches by a combined score of 125 to 38 is not the sort of warm up that head coach Warren Gatland and his assistants would have wanted. And the usual principle that players can come to the fore in provincial matches and claim a test place is out of the window. We will know a lot more after tonight's game for which South Africa have named a very strong team. Indeed, almost a full test 15 plus replacements. Put it this way any side which has Willie Larue, Rue, Pieter Stef Duis, Eben Etzebeth, Damien de Alende, Faf de Clerk and Cheslin Colby in the starting lineup is more of an A plus rather than just an A team. You cannot blame the Springbok management for playing such a strong team as they have only had the one warm-up test against Georgia and lost the second match to the virus. There are undoubtedly many of the box who need more game time on the pitch rather than the training ground. And I think South Africa are undoubtedly seeing this match as a way of preparing their best players for the real test next week. That's how it reads on paper. And it will be very interesting to see the tactics employed by the box. Will they show their hand ahead of the test and do they have any variation on the very successful approach that won them the World Cup nearly two years ago? Or will they simply play the usual Springbok way and hammer the lines up front before taking the ball out wide? Gatland has also named a very strong team, one that has the look of a possible test side about it, in which case it's bad news for Stuart Hogg and Hamish Watson, who are not even on the bench tonight. And as for Finn Russell, it really is stretching belief to think that he will recover from his Achilles tendon injury in time for the first test. Then again, if the Springboks a plussers do as I expect and make this a hugely physical encounter, then the Lions might just get brushed aside and that would do no favours to any of the players in red tonight. There are test places on the line for sure, though I suspect Gatland already knows his best 15. Put it this way, I don't think he will wait until another likely mismatch Saturday's game against DHL Stormers before making his test selection. At the time of writing, one major decision was waiting to be made in Black Alan Wynne-Jones had a second training session with the Wales squad yesterday to see if he has fully recovered from the dislocated shoulder he suffered against Japan. A decision is expected today and it would be fantastic news and frankly a tour changer if the great Welsh forward could rejoin the Lions and resume the captaincy. I am sure Connor Murray would be disappointed to lose the captaincy, but I am also sure he would be absolutely delighted to see Jones back in the scarlet jersey for one last Lions hurrah. I think Jones should be given every chance to go back on the tour as he is a colossal influence on and off the pitch. In the old days leaving the tour was pretty much a permanent thing but times have changed and Alan Wynne Jones returning to the fold would be an incredible boost to the British and the Irish Lions, says Martin Hannen. Evening Time Sport, July 14. UEFA Technical Observer, Mixu Patelainen, on why player of the tournament, Gianluigi Donnarumma, made Euros history. Report by Matthew Lindsay. The outstanding display of Italy goalkeeper Gianluigi Donnarumma in the penalty shootout that decided the Euro 2020 final at Wembley on Sunday night has been almost ignored in the days since. Gareth Southgate's decision to pick Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho and Bukayo Saka to Take Spot Kicks has dominated newspaper back pages, radio phone and social media websites in the wake of England's defeat. Fortunately, Donnarumma's Heroics Between the Sticks, he produced three inspired saves to deny every member of that aforementioned trio and clinch victory for the Azuri did not go unnoticed by UEFA's expert team of technical observers. They selected the 22-year-old as their player of the tournament and in so doing made him the first keeper to be honoured in the 25-year history of the award, despite some concerns that it would reflect negatively on the finals overall. Miksu Patelainen the former Finnish striker, who enjoyed great success in Scotland with Aberdeen, Dundee United, and Hibbs, was one of an elite 16 strong group that included Pat Bonner, Fabio Capello, Stefan Freud, Etor Karanka, Robbie Keane, and David Moyes. He revealed that Donna Roma had overwhelming support during their discussions he said there wasn't too much debate about the player of the tournament Donnarumma was popular of course there were other contenders as well but there were a lot of fantastic performers in this tournament but for me Donnarumma was a spectacular candidate in my opinion he was the best player he looks like a goalkeeper And I like that. He is big, he is strong, he is athletic, a proper goalkeeper. But he is fast as well. He is explosive. He comes off his line quickly. He is a good example of the kind of athlete we can produce in football today with modern sports science. There were questions asked in our discussions. Goalkeeper? Does that send a negative message about the kind of football was placed in the tournament? I don't think so. It is obviously a highly specialised position. But if a goalkeeper is fantastic and performs immaculately in every match, then he deserves it. Donnarumma did not concede a goal in the group stage. When you look at that, you always have to remember the defenders and the midfielders are performing their defensive duties as well. To have Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Cialenini in front of a goalkeeper will give him a lot of confidence. But Donnarumma for me was exceptional. Italy beat Spain in the semi-finals and England in the final on penalties. It must be a daunting sight to take a penalty against him. When a goalkeeper has a big frame like him, it is intimidating for the taker. I can remember taking a penalty against Peter Smiichel during my career. He filled the goal. I thought, where do I put it? It will be a similar experience for a penalty taker with Donnarumma in goal. He is 6 feet 5 inches. He is a huge guy, but as I say, he is also fast. He is not just a big lump. The 54-year-old, who won 70 caps for Finland and had a four-year spell in charge of his national team, felt the criticism of England manager Southgate after the nail-biting climax on Sunday night unfairly overshadowed the performance of the Italy keeper. Donnarumma's saves in the penalty shootout in the final were fantastic, he said. But nobody said that. It is a pity. You can certainly have your opinion about penalty takers, but the keeper deserves credit for guessing the right way and being successful. Patelainen, who is keen to get back into management after finishing a spell in the dugout with Hong Kong, believes that AC Milan keeper Donnarumma is set to get even better in the future. He said, One of the modern trends in football is high pressing. Teams try to put their opponents under pressure. But top teams, top defenders, top goalkeepers still take the ball if their time and space is limited. They build the game up in a controlled manner. Some people say it's stupid, it's kamikaze, but top teams perfect it and are confident at it. It is amazing how they do it. There were other fantastic goalkeepers at Euro 2020. Jan Sommer of Switzerland, for example, was excellent. He is very good at building play from the back. It is not Donnarumma's best quality, but he still does it. He will develop in that part of his game. He is only 22, remember, he is young, he has got plenty he can improve. Donnarumma was one of no fewer than five Italian players who the technical observers named in the UEFA Euro 2020 Team of the Tournament that was released yesterday centre half Bonucci, left back Leonardo Spinazzola, midfielder Giorgino and winger Federico Chiesa. They were joined by Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire and Raheem Sterling of England. Pierre-Emile Hurtgev of Denmark, Pedre of Spain and Romelu Lukaku of Belgium. Said Patelainen, Italy are a fantastic country for developing players from a young age. They really put an emphasis on a tactical knowledge of the game, especially defending. I am not surprised that Donnarumma, Bonucci and Spinozola made the team. Spinazola was fantastic. It was a pity he got injured, but we felt he deserved to be in despite missing the final. We don't just pull a name from a hat. We look at the goals conceded, the goals scored, the overall performances and the behaviour of the players. That is very important. We felt all the players in the All-Star side were influential for their teams consistently throughout the tournament, not just in one or two games. But a lot of the observers, and there were 16 of us all together because of how different the tournament was and the COVID-19 travel restrictions. Felt Donnarumma was the outstanding candidate. There were a lot of voices, a lot of opinions, but he was the overall favourite. It wasn't a difficult decision at all. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, July 14. Posty Koglu turns his focus on the Champions League mountain. Report by Graeme McGarry. It feels less like a perfect storm conspiring against Celtic's Champions League ambitions this summer and more a storm of imperfections that are hampering their chances. A new manager in Ange, Postecoglou, who has had barely any time to get his ideas across players returning late from international duty. No sign of the experienced reinforcements required to inject new life into a squad, still reeling from the car crash of last season. As if that wasn't enough, most of the players who need to be replaced haven't even left the building yet. The same went away players that former manager Neil Lennon blamed for Celtic's Champions League qualifying exit to Ferenc Varus this time last year. The likes of Christopher Ager, Odson Edward and Olivier Nichum are here in Wales at their pre-season training camp. The question is, are they hanging around like a bad smell and affecting the mood within the dressing room? Or has Posty arrival breathed enough fresh air into the camp to revive their senses? When the question is put to Craig Taylor, his answer is unequivocal. With the left back convinced every member of the Celtic squad, who is asked to contribute against Midtjylland next Tuesday night, will be giving everything for the cause. Said Taylor, If you watch training, you will see that every boy is as competitive as ever. That won't change with anyone, whether they have further aspirations with what they want to do in their career, whether that is here or somewhere else. While they pull on this jersey, training or playing, their full focus will be here, I am sure of it. Where he is less unambiguous is in his assessment of Celtic's chances of actually making it through this tie, let alone the group stages proper. There is a recognition inside the Celtic camp that in the Danish side, they have drawn a serious opponent at a time when they themselves are undercooked. That's not to say the Celtic players don't believe they can overcome Eric Svanchenko et al, but Taylor recognizes that their experienced players like Callum McGregor may have to go to the well in order to drag them through. He said, of course we want to qualify, but it is a transitional period. There's a new manager coming, in. There will be new players coming in. So of course it is, but our focus can't be on that. Our focus has to be on the team and ourselves come Tuesday night. It has come around quickly this year, especially as we're not long back. There's no time to rest. We need to be ready for Tuesday. It's a massive game and a massive opportunity. We are up against a top side. It doesn't matter what round it is these days. You're up against good sides at every level. These teams handle the ball so well and are clinical, so we need to be on it in both legs. We'd had a good week's preparation, so we'll make sure we will be ready. We've got good players here. Boys who have won a lot of trophies and have been very successful are still here. So we've got to have full belief going into Tuesday night, and we will know then. A video released by Celtic of new gaffer Postecoglou in the thick of the action, as he directed his players on the training pitch, went down well with supporters shortly after the Australians' arrival, but he has cut something of a camera figure during the camp in Wales. Said Taylor, The gaffer is quite quiet. He's loud and clear when he's training, but away from it he is quite reserved and I think that's his way of managing. Even so, Taylor says that the players have been left in no doubt about what is expected of them and he is hoping to see more evidence of the fruits of their labor in the final tune-up of the camp against Bristol City. He said The sessions are probably slightly shorter, but more intense. It's constant work without many breaks. But that's the focus on the high intensity we want. It's been good so far. He wants us to play at all times, which is the way Celtic play. When we lose the ball, it's about winning it back straight away. And that's been the two main things we have focused on. The preparations have gone well. We have had a good week down in Wales. We're learning new things under the gaffer and hopefully we'll be ready for Tuesday. Pre-season is always challenging. Getting minutes in the legs and bedding in new ideas. But the boys are enjoying it. Bristol City are a good championship side so it will be a tough test and we'll need to be at it. The full focus will be on Tuesday night. Report by Graham McGarry. Evening Time Sport, July 14. Rangers criticized decision to allow just 2,000 fans inside Ibrox for Arsenal Clash. Report by Mark Henry. Rangers have criticized the decision to only allow 2000 fans inside Ibrooks for this weekend's Friendly with Arsenal. Rangers pointed to Euro 2020 as an example of supporters being given more freedom to attend matches inside Hamden and questioned why their stadium is not permitted to host more people inside. Confirming there will be some fans at least in attendance for the Gunners visit. The Glasgow Club revealed there will be a ballot among season ticket holders for tickets to Saturday's match. But in their statement, the Light Blues told of their disappointment at the government's decision. It read, following lengthy discussions with the Scottish Government and local authorities, Rangers have been granted permission to host 2,000 supporters at Saturday's friendly match with Arsenal. Season ticket holders who have access to all games at Ibrox will be given priority with the balance being balloted among season ticket holders who are my members and have enrolled in the home friendly scheme. Those who are successful in the ballot will receive an email outlining arrangements for Saturday's match. Rangers are disappointed at the small number of supporters being granted access given the precedent which was set at the Euro 2020 matches at Hampden Park as well as at other sporting events in Scotland and the time it has taken to have the number of supporters confirmed by the Scottish government. Tickets for the Arsenal match are priced at £21 for adults 16 pound for concessions and 10 pound for kids. Discussions between the club and the relevant authorities continue for the Brighton and Real Madrid games on 24 and 25 July and we will update supporters on ticketing plans for those games in due course. Report by Mark Hendry. Hi I'm Ian
0: and I'm a reader for Q&Review Print Speaking to the Blind. I enjoy recording newspaper articles for the benefit of our blind and reading impaired listeners because I enjoy reading and I feel I'm contributing towards their quality of life. I also enjoy the camaraderie of working with the Q&Review team who are both very professional and approachable. So, if like Ian, you'd love to encourage friends to listen, visit qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for the online ways they can tune in or call us on 0141 772 3976 to be guided through. Remember to follow our Instagram, Facebook and especially Twitter at q review You're listening to The Glasgow Times, a Q and review Recording Service podcast brought to you by our team of volunteers currently from their homes across the UK. Whether you're listening via the British Wireless for the Blind Fund online players, their telephone app or our brand new Alexa Skill, please phone us on 0141 772 3976 to feedback on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Remember also to follow our social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CUEANDREVIEW.
1: Evening Time Sport, July 15. Aaron Hickey added to Bologna pre-season training camp squad amid transfer rumours. Report by Mark Hendry. Aaron Hickey has been added to Bologna's pre-season training camp despite being linked with a £3.5 million transfer to Celtic. The defender is wanted in Glasgow, with the Hoops hoping to add to their ranks. Greg Taylor and Bolly Bollingoli are currently the club's two left-backs, but it is not yet known whether the latter will be handed a second chance following his COVID controversy last season. Heke, the former Hearts ace, would represent a shrewd piece of business for Celtic, but it is believed his Serie A side have slapped an £8 million price tag on his head to try and deter bids. Manager Sinisa Mihadjovic has brought the 19-year-old along with the rest of his squad to Bologna's camp in Trentino. Hickey previously revealed he was aware of interest in him this summer, as rumours ramped up his boyhood club were keen on bringing him back to Scotland. We recently sat down with the fullback about his time in Italy and his hope to play for Scotland, even if it means turning out at right-back. He said, Steve Clark called Bologna to monitor my progress. But by that time, I was not training fully. So when he announced the squad, I'd only been back in training about a week. He was just monitoring me. I don't know if I'd been in the squad, but it was really good to hear. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport, July 15. Scottish Government respond as Rangers disappointed over number of fans at Arsenal match. Report by Mark Hendry. The Scottish Government has responded to Rangers following a statement where they said they were disappointed only to have 2000 fans inside Ibrox for their Arsenal friendly. Rangers pointed to Hamden's use at Euro 2020, where 12,000 supporters attended matches at the tournament. But the government claim that those numbers were agreed upon following extensive advance planning. They also say the standard outdoor gathering limit moved to 2000 on Monday when Scotland is expected to move into level nothing but clubs can request a larger number in a message to their council or area on an individual basis. The Light Blues initially said, Rangers are disappointed at the small number of supporters being granted access, given the precedent which was set at the Euro 2020 matches at Hampden Park, as well as at other sporting events in Scotland and the time it has taken to have the number of supporters confirmed by the Scottish Government. But now they have heard a response. A statement from the government read, at the current stage of the pandemic, capacity limits are in place for events, depending on the level each local authority is in. The First Minister confirmed in her statement on Wednesday, that the whole of Scotland will move to level nothing from Monday 19 July, which means that a standard capacity of up to 2000 people at an outdoor event with seating will apply. Applications for exemptions to those limits for larger events, including football matches in stadiums, can be made to the relevant local authority. While Scotland is in level nothing, it will continue to be for local authorities to assess events applications for increased capacity, based on guidance, local health advice, and assessment of information provided by event organisers. Numbers granted will need to take account of the physical distancing limit of one metre in place over this period. The Euro 2020 matches at Hamden were flagship events approved by the Scottish Government. This process is designed to enable a small number of internationally significant events to take place in 2021 with appropriate COVID-19 mitigations in place. Based on extensive advance planning across multiple organisations. This prote- process does not apply to regular domestic football matches. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Time Sport. July 16. Bryson de branded stupid by Cobra after driver fallout. Report by Nick Roger. Bryson DeChambeau was branded stupid by his own equipment manufacturers in an extraordinary war of words in the aftermath of his first round at the open. DeChambeau posted a wayward 71 at Royal St George's and stated that his driver sucks, but his comments provoked a withering response from Cobra the company which provides the former United States Open Champions clubs. Deschambeau believes the inability to find a driver compatible with his fierce swing speed is hampering his progress. And the 27 year old said the driver sucks. It's not a good face for me. And we're still trying to figure out how to make it good on the hits." I'm living on the razor's edge. Cobras tour operations manager Ben Showman hit back and told USA Today. Everybody is bending over backwards. We have got multiple guys in the research and development who are computer aided design this and computer aiding design that trying to get this and that into the pipeline faster. Bryson knows it. It's just really, really painful when he says something that stupid. It's like an eight year old that gets mad at you. DeChambeau later issued an apology via Instagram. This comment I made in my post round interview today was very unprofessional, DeChambeau said in his statement. My frustration and emotions over the way I drove the ball today boiled over. I sucked today, not my equipment. Cobra and I have worked together for over five years and they are some of the hardest working people in the golf industry and make an incredible product. Their team is like family to me, especially Ben Shulman who has been there for me every step of the way since I started my career. I deeply regret the words I used earlier. I am relentless in pursuit of improvement and perfection. Part of that causes me to become outwardly frustrated at times with the new speeds I am obtaining. My game is a constant work in progress. And so is controlling my emotions. Report by Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport July 16. Celtic sign Japanese International. Report by Aidan Smith. Celtic have announced the signing of Japan forward Kyogo Furuhashi from Vissel Kobe on a four year contract. The transfer, which is subject to international clearance, sees Furu Hashi move to the Scottish Premiership from the J1 League, where he is currently top scorer in the ongoing 2021 season with 14 goals. Furu Hashi, a now ex-teammate of Vissel Kobe captain Andres Iniesta, is the Hoop's fourth summer signing from the arrivals of Liam Shaw and Osasi Yurhogait from Sheffield Wednesday and Liel Abada from Maccabi Pita Tikva? Here at Times Sport, we stumbled upon a highlights reel of Furohashi's season with Visel Kobe last term, and the Japanese international looks a real finisher as well as having an eye for a pass in the final third parkhead manager anj postecoglou certainly thinks very highly of furu hashi and after signing the forward he said we are delighted to bring him to celtic he is a player of real quality and clearly someone i know well i think he will add something special to our squad and I'm sure the way he plays will excite our supporters. We look forward to welcoming him to Celtic. Furu Hashi, who has scored three times in six internationals for Japan, helped to win Vissel Kobe's only two trophies in their history. He was part of the side that lifted the Emperor's Cup on New Year's Day in 2020 after a 2-0 victory over Kashima Antlers at Tokyo's National Stadium, while he was also involved in the subsequent Japanese Super Cup Triumph. On that occasion, the J1 League champions, Yokohama F. Marinos, were managed by Postikoglu, while Furuhashi scored in an entertaining 3-3 draw before Bissell Kobe got their hands on the trophy after winning a penalty shootout. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport July 16 Rangers must shift focus to Champions League, says John Gilligan. Report by David Irvin Last season was all about winning the title back for Rangers but former director John Gilligan says the focus must now shift to the Champions League. It has been 10 years since Rangers were last involved in Europe's elite level when the Ibrox side lost to Malmo. But Gilligan reckons Steven Gerrard can guide the club back to the group stage due to his phenomenal record and a route to through the qualifying rounds could also bring a major financial boost to the Ibrooks coffers with Gilligan forecasting a £20 million reward for progressing in the Champions League. Gilligan speaking at the book launch of the Times writer Chris Jacks going for 55 said last season was all about getting the title back. This season it's all about being in the Champions League. It is 10 years since we last played in the Champions League. It was the season before that we last played in the group stage. So it's been a long time. The directors have always said that the money from Europe is an extra. The money from the season tickets is money in the bank, but the European money in the Champions League is at a whole other level. I think it's about 20 million pound than the attendance money from the games. So it's a lot of money. Gerrards had a phenomenal record, but there are no bad teams in the qualifying rounds of the Champions League. In previous seasons in Europe, We have got better as the season has gone on. It will be hard and it's all about the draw. If we we avoid a club from one of the big five countries, then we've a great chance. One major reason for Rangers success last term has been put down to the team spirit and squad depth in the Ibrox ranks and Gilligan is convinced that Gerrard's squad is not only filled with top quality talents, but true Rangers players after a period of stability. He said, Last year, a lot of the players had been there for a few seasons. If you speak to any of the previous managers like Walter, they say you sign a guy for Rangers. But when does he become a Rangers player? It can take two or three seasons. I think we've got Rangers players now, right through the team. Even keeping German Defoe is psychologically brilliant. He's such a model pro. It's good to have people like that in the club. I don't think we'll sell lots of players. Some may move, but we're bringing ones in. And I think John Lundström's a good signing. The togetherness is strong at the club. People at the club understand their roles. It's taken us a long time to get that structure because we were fighting so many battles. Earlier this month, Rangers Vice Chairman John Bennett commented that the club still have scores to settle on and off the park as he recalled the journey from the third division to the peak of Scottish football. Gilligan shares a similar view and claimed Rangers did not receive a lot of help from the footballing bodies during the bleak Ibrox years. He added, yes, I'd support John in his comment. Scores in the sense that there were lots of people who could have helped us and didn't. You just want to prove people wrong. The situation the club was in, we didn't get a lot of help from the authorities, from the SFA and the SPFL. It could have been handled differently, a wee bit more magnanimously. When you look at other countries, when teams are having these problems, they get a bit more help from the authorities. We never got a license until three days before the start of a season under Ali McCoy that could have been helped. We weren't carrying debt. We were carrying a potential charge of a fine from HMRC. The club had reduced its debt to a manageable level by that time. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Time Sport, July 16. The Open. Scott Robert McIntyre keeps in touch but admits he didn't have enough ammunition in the bag. Report by Nick Roger. It could have been worse, a lot worse. On a trying testing day over the Royal St George's links, Robert McIntyre's relieved smile said a lot about the brutal nature of the examination. A 2 over 72, was by no means a disaster for Scotland's lone representative in the Open Championship. His decorated fellow lefty, Phil Mickelson, meanwhile, must have felt like hurling himself into the English Channel. Playing in the match ahead of McIntyre, the reigning United States PGA champion endured a quite desperate day and his shattering 10 over 80 was the worst opening round in a major and his highest score since an 81 at the United States Open of 2018. Two months after his historic PGA conquest, Mickelson suffered the indignity of languishing joint last. His seething, murderous glower at one or two pressmen who dared to ask him for a quick summing up could have melted the white cliffs of Dover. The brave golf scribblers in question lived to write another day, but only just. As for McIntyre, well, the young Scot was in a reasonably chipper mood after a spirited round of salvage and damage limitation. It had been a tough shift at the office. He said of the formidable challenge. On some of those holes, I didn't have enough ammo in the bag to get there. At the par 3 11th, I have hit the longest iron I've got, a two iron, and it's not even close to reaching the pin. I've then gone on to 14 and smoked a driver smoked my four iron to get pin-high. I literally didn't have any more in the bag. I said to my caddy when I walked off 13 or 14 that I felt like I was playing good and I was three over par. I was looking at the leaderboard and thinking, how am I going to get close to six under par? I am reasonably content I felt like I played solidly from tee to green. It was blowing an absolute gale out there, more than I thought it was going to be. So two over par isn't horrific. I'm not out of it. McIntyre had reached the turn in three over, but he knuckled down, girded his loins, and kept plugging away in the face of a fierce golfing foe. A good putt for par on 15 was then followed by another decent one for his only birthday of the round on the 16th. It's amazing what an outpouring of frustration can do as McIntyre explained. I almost knocked the one in on the 15th because of rage. I hit a great tee shot and it pitched clean into a bunker. I hacked it out and then hold the putt out of anger. There was nothing going through my head except hit the putt. It was the same on the 16th, I just hit it. When I play my best tee to green, I don't think about one thing. I just swing the club and the ball takes off exactly where I'm aiming it. That's what I'm trying to get with my putter, to go blank and hit it. Despite the trials and tribulations that are par for the course in this game, McIntyre, who was sixth on his open debut two years ago, relished the challenge. He added, it's a fight and a grind, but I enjoyed every bit of it. You could have got pouring rain with the wind and then it really would have been carnage. But we just had the wind, so it was playable. The late finishers on day one also included Rory McIlroy, who mounted a valiant recovery to post a level par 70. A birdie in the first hole did not act as a catalyst for greater things, as McIlroy sagged to three bogeys in a row from the fifth. In his well-documented major toils, it was a case of, here we go again. But McElroy rallied and two birdies on his back nine in the fading light would have made his supper taste much better. It would also help him nod off too. He said after a birdie on the last, it just makes your sleep that little bit better. I'm probably proud. I got off to the perfect start and then made three bogeys in a row. After that little wobble on the front nine, I set myself a target. And to achieve it feels good. Report by Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, July 19. Sky Sports slammed for shameful coverage of Robert McIntyre at the Open. Report by Angus Cochran. Colin Morikawa stormed to victory in the Open this weekend becoming the first golfer ever to win two different majors at his first attempt. Just one player matched the American score over the final two rounds. Scotland's Robert McIntyre, who secured an unlikely top 10 finish after narrowly avoiding the cut. Despite placing higher than any other Brit, the open man's heroics did not get the attention they deserved on Sky's coverage, according to many angry viewers. The broadcaster has been inundated with complaints on social media after it failed to air large parts of McIntyre's final round. A score of 67, which included a bogey six after he drove out of bounds on the 14th at Royal St George's, lifted him to 7-under and joined 8th. On Saturday, McIntyre had the best round of any players as he flew up the leaderboard with an outstanding 65. Yet viewers were frustrated at how little they saw of his performance, with the cameras focusing on bigger name stars and even panel discussions among the pundits. Sky's coverage was branded shameful, with Scott's raising complaints from the start of McIntyre's final round. Willie Harrison commented on one of Sky Sport Golf's posts, Why don't you show golfers teeing off instead of showing Paul McGinley talking? Bob McIntyre had the best round yesterday, but you opted to show golfers that were nowhere near competing. We pay Sky a lot of money for watching golf. Linda Hanna added, Why are we not seeing more of Bob McIntyre, the leading British player, very poor from Sky Sports? Ian McCallum dubbed the coverage of the Scot truly awful. Well, Keith Henderson said it was shameful. Another Twitter user wrote, Oh look, Bob McIntyre has just got another birthday. Too late, you've missed it. Come on Sky. I know it hurts you that he is the highest placed Brit, but of course he's Scottish. Having secured a top 10 finish, McIntyre celebrated him in his now customary fashion with a rendition of Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. The Scot also set his sights on securing his PGA Tour card in America. The qualifying points he earned mean it is a trip back t- stateside to play the 3M Open in Minnesota rather than the Kazoo Open supported by Gareth Bale at Celtic Manor in Wales. He said, it's been a good week. Obviously disappointed at the way I finished. I want to win one of these. I don't turn up to not compete. We're all trying to win. I feel I've got the game to win an Open. I'm yet to show it, but I'm young and I've got plenty time. There's a lot I can learn. My face doesn't show it yet. But once this week's over, I will be absolutely delighted with the result. I top 10 in the States to try and chase down a PGA Tour card. And then I don't know what I do. Whether I come home and go back out to Memphis for the final World Golf Championship event of the year or just stay out there. I've not got playing rights in the United States yet, so my base is open. It always will be. When the times right, I'll get a place out there. I'm not in a rush. Report by Angus Cochran. Evening Time Sport. July 19. Meet the Bishop Briggs swimmer who has won gold at the European Junior Championships. Report by Michelle Woods A teenager has impressed by becoming one of the most successful British swimmers ever at the European Junior Championships. Katie Shanahan won six medals at the competition in Rome last week, beating the number one ranked junior swimmer in the world in her gold medal events. The 17-year-old from Bishop Briggs won two gold, three silver, and one bronze, and completed 16 competitive swims over the course of five days, making her one of the most successful British swimmers ever at the European Championships. The Bishop Briggs Academy pupil said, I am over the moon with my results during my week in Rome at the European Junior Championships. I knew I was in good shape and felt pretty confident in my abilities going into the meet. I was ranked quite high for most of my events, so I hoped to continue that form and win a couple of medals, but I never expected to win medals in every event. It was a great end to my last Junior International Meet. The champion swimmer, who is also a member of the city of Glasgow swim team, says the experience of competing at such an elite level against some of the best junior swimmers in Europe has been exciting and overwhelming. She said the competition was really good. It was run safely with lots of protocols in place. The meet was fascinating and it was a privilege to race with some of the best junior swimmers. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole week. I was part of a great GB team and we all got on really well. The coaches and team managers were supportive and we had quite a few laughs along with serious racing. Despite the COVID lockdown and the loss of training venues during the pandemic, The 17-year-old managed to keep up her fitness levels by swimming in lochs and was relieved during the second lockdown when she was allowed to use Toll Cross Swimming Pool, giving Katie more hours to swim, which made training much easier for her. Katie's coach, Ian Wright, who has been coaching national and international swimmers for over 20 years, said, Everyone at City of Glasgow swim team is really proud of Katie's performances last week in Rome. To win six medals from six events was clearly a fantastic achievement and gives her seven in total from this competition, having won a bronze in 2019 as well. This ranks Katie as one of the best Scottish and British swimmers of all time at European Junior Championships level. After being selected for her first senior GB team for the European Championships in May, the talented athlete says her ultimate dream is to continue training and competing at an elite level and hopefully make the Olympic team one day. She says, I think the dream of every sports person is to make an Olympic team. And next year is a home Commonwealth Games. So my focus is in the coming months to prepare for those trials. However, in order to achieve that, there are much smaller goals I need to work on. Report by Michelle Woods.
0: And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.